you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning once again. Take your Bibles if you want and open them to the book of Genesis. We'll be bouncing around, kind of around chapter 6, 7, 8, 9. Just we're going to hit some high spots of of the story of Noah this morning. So I have been working uh, towards this this lesson this week, and and as you know, uh, we're we're kind of talking about mountaintop experiences and mountaintop uh, moments in Scripture. And I've got my list of of mountaintop stories, which, as I've said before, I was kind of surprised at how many less or how many stories actually took place on mountaintops, and so I'm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I've got like three, three stories left and, and three Sundays left, so we're going to kind of wrap that up here by the end of the year, but we're going to start and look at today Mount Ararat, and Mount Ararat is where Noah's Ark lands after the flood. And I'm reading this story this week, and I'm starting on Monday, and, and I'm looking at this story and thinking about things, and Sermons are, are an evolving process. I, I, truly, I truly mean this when I say it, that this week's sermon is not finished until it's preached. It's, it is open and, and ready for change at any moment. And so Monday I started on a lesson, and started on some ideas, got a couple of pages of notes for it, called Start Over. And it was looking at this story of Moses after he comes off the ark and how he, he starts over. Because you think about what Moses went through. Moses... Moses. I'm, I'm, I've done this all morning. I've called Noah Moses all day. Noah goes through this, this major change time in his life. A, a year of, 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 of quarantine, if you will, in the ark. He gets on the ark one day and leaves a world that has been so familiar to him. He spends a little over a year in the ark with all these animals and just these eight people. And then the ark doors open and it opens up into a world that is completely different than the world in which was a year previous to him living in. I don't know about you, but I see some parallels to our life and Noah's story, maybe in a way that there have never been before. And so I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, hey, we're, we're kind of, this week was big news with the vaccine uh, being approved for this COVID virus. There's kind of a light at the end of this tunnel that we've kind of been living in and we've been struggling in and and so I'm thinking, why don't we talk about restarting, starting over? How do we as a church, maybe as we see, see some hope in, in the future, how do we begin to start over as a church? And I jotted some ideas down. And then uh, on Tuesday, I think it was, maybe it was Wednesday, I got on Facebook, and you know that I've done this before, I guess it was Thursday, um, I, I, I posted this on my Facebook page, and I was just wanting some feedback. I said, a little sermon help. What changes have occurred in your life since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, big or small? And several of you posted. And as I read some of these posts, my mind towards my, my, my lesson today really began to change. And, and I want to read you some things that people wrote. Um... My circle got a lot smaller. I miss not seeing my grandchildren as much. One guy said, I get a haircut every four months, whether I need it or not. 
My daddy had COVID, and he still cries when telling me about having to be by himself in the hospital, having to see us through the window, and not being able to get those much-needed hugs. I stopped my traveling. I'm trying to keep kids busy and occupied while continuing to work from home full-time. I'm trying to teach math to a fifth grader. We've been home worshiping via Facebook and YouTube. We aren't able to have lads to leaders this year. The list could go on. These aren't all just our church people. These are a lot of different people. Trying to get back in the swing of going back to church. Missing my children and grandchildren. I have missed so much of my precious time with them. Time that I can never recover. I fear my grands will not, well, my, I fear my grands will grow up and not really know how special they are in my life. Um... There was another couple. Oh, I miss being with church family and in Sunday school. Uh, the, feeling that, uh, the feeling of how you take going to church for granted. I long for the days where my kids can play in the play place at McDonald's, go on church trips, vans, baptisms, where everyone holds hands and sings songs to welcome a new babe in Christ. Ladies' nights with the women. The list could literally go on. I've not been to a single ball game to watch my stepson play. No in-person worship service, no trips to see my family, especially my grandparents. Um, there was... I don't get to spend time in person with my mama to ensure that she doesn't get sick. I've stopped taking hugs for granted, working in a hospital and seeing patients not be able to see their family and have physical touch and comfort is so hard. I miss traditional school. I miss being able to give hugs, high fives, and fist bumps. And, and, and the, the texts go on. There's some positive things in there too. But as I'm reading these things, as I'm reading these things, one of the things that became very clear, and I, and I wanted to read them to you because I wanted you to hear them, is that we live in a challenging, struggling moment, don't we? I, I, I try to be a positive guy. I try to be a positive guy. I try to be upbeat. I don't let a whole lot of things get me down. Um, with, with my attention deficit disorder, I'm just naturally wired to not focus on one thing for very long. You know, I focus on this, and then all of a sudden I'm focusing on that. And that just kind of seems to be how my life is in general. I try not to linger on the negative things. My life has, over the last several months, there's been a lot of positives in my life with my family, and I've tried to focus on them and keep those in the forefront. But I can't help but just, just to take a moment as I was reading these things, I just stopped and prayed for everybody because I know that everybody in their own own way is struggling. And so as I'm reading through the story of Noah, and I'm thinking about the world that we're living in today, I thought maybe this morning we don't need to talk about restarting, because we're not quite there yet. But maybe we just need to look at the life of Noah and figure out, how do I just keep from worrying? How do I live this, this simple phrase, don't worry? Because that's what a lot of this past six months has caused, I believe, for a lot of people, is worry. Worrying about what's going to happen next. Worrying about the next thing. Worrying about the next thing. And it's just human nature. And so I've looked at the story of Noah, and, and this is just Matthew's thoughts. This is something that, that I hope helps you a little bit. But some things that I want you to maybe to grab onto this morning that maybe will help you live this in this challenging time, just to live a life of not worrying. And here's the first thing for you. Don't let your challenges become bigger than your God. 
Don't let your challenges become bigger than your God. Think about the life of Noah for a moment, and think about the challenges that he faced. Okay, Our scripture reading tells us this morning that he was really the only faithful person in the whole world. God had gotten to the point, in Genesis 6, I think it's 6, it says this, that he had gotten to the point to where he was aggravated or frustrated that he had even created man. And so he's just going to wipe them out. And we see God do that. We see God do that, have that conversation. He does it with Solomon and Gomorrah. He wipes them out for their sinfulness. Uh, we read a couple of weeks ago that he was going to do that with the people of Israel, and Moses kind of talked him out of that. But here he's like on the grand, grandest scale of all. I'm done. We're going to start all over. We're going to wipe everything clean. So Noah is the only faithful man in a world of unfaithfulness. That was a challenge. Then all of a sudden... Noah's called to be a preacher. And he's called to be a preacher to a group of people who don't want to hear his message. They don't have any care in the world for what he has to say. Challenge number two. Challenge number three is he has to become this mega boat builder. Okay, a copter. I don't know if Noah had ever built anything. We don't read anything about it. But now he's got to build the first ever cruise ship. It's going to float around the world for nearly a year. And then he has to become a veterinarian. He has to become a guy that takes care of all these animals. And then he's going to live in close quarters. He's going to be quarantined, some people say, for over 370 days. 370 days. He is locked up in the ark with animals and his family. When you think about Noah's challenges, maybe it makes our challenges not seem so bad, right? But what we do if we're not careful is we allow our challenges to become bigger than God. Now, if you've got them, you can use your phone, you can use your Bible, whatever you got. If you've got your phone, use your phone. If you've got your Bible, use your Bible. Raise one of them up this morning. Raise your phone or your Bible up in the air. Now, in comparison, which is larger, the room we're sitting in or your Bible or phone? Which is larger? The room. Now, that's an obvious question, right? Obvious answer. Now, I want you to take this smaller object, put it right over your face. Put it right over your face. Now wait right there, I'm going to take your picture. No. When you've got this smaller object over your face, how much of this large room can you see? Not much of it. Not much of it at all. Why? Because we're focused on that smaller thing, and our challenges are that way. Our challenges compared to God are so small. But what we do so many times is we let those challenges get right up in our face. We focus so hard on those little things, on those momentary things, that we miss the power of God. We miss what God's doing. We miss the work that he's doing. We miss, we miss the grace that he's giving. We miss the, the trust that he wants us to have in him. And, and, and we just miss it because we're so focused on that challenge. Every time we turn the TV on, every time we turn the TV on, there's news about something negative. There's news about something challenging. There's news about election this, virus that, protest over here, you know, murder over there. I mean, it, it, it's challenging. And it's so easy for that to become the thing we look at the most. But Paul says, what does Paul say? Read the words on the screen. Don't worry. Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. And it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. Don't worry. Now, him making that suggestion and command is maybe a lot like telling your kids to go clean their room. 
They hear it. They realize they should do it. But completing it is not necessarily going to always happen. But in Philippians chapter 4, he, he takes it a step further. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Hey, whatever's going on, whatever bad things, whatever challenging things that are happening in your life, the first thing you need to always do is find a reason to praise God. There's always a reason, right? There's always a reason to praise God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Realize that no matter what's going on, God is there with you. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Some of your Bibles say do not worry about anything. But in every situation, you do three things. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Three different types of prayers that he talks about. Prayer, the general word prayer, just means a, 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 general, a general request to God. A petition is a prayer that is very specific. You want this thing to happen. And thanksgiving, and we get that, it is, a, it is a prayer of thanks to God. And he says, when you're dealing with challenging times, the way that you keep your focus on the big picture instead of on the challenge is you talk to God about it. And you say, God, I need help with this. We're good at those type of prayers. I want want to pray about this specific thing. But he also says you pray with thanksgiving. You go back and you pay attention to the prayers that God has answered. That's why you hear me talking about prayer journaling and why keeping track of your prayers is so important because you go back and you see God working and answering prayers. So now when you're facing a new challenge, you have a greater big picture. You understand that it's not about the challenge, it's about the power of God. He has the power to answer and help me overcome. And thanksgiving prayers help us remain focused on God instead of focused on the challenge. And he said, when you do those things, the God of peace will transcend all understanding and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He goes, not only do you get peace, you get the God of peace. And so let's not let our challenges become bigger than our God. Let's keep going. The second thing is challenging times are momentary, but sometimes those moments last a while. Our challenges are momentary, but sometimes they last a while. So Moses is, in this, Moses is called by God when he's 600 years old. Now, imagine living for 600 years. That just, that's, we, we can't even fathom that, can we? Imagine living for 600 years. And so Noah gets on this ark at 600, and he's 601, 370-ish something days is how long he's on the ark, a little bit over one of our years. So he's on this ark for a year. Now, a year in an ark with all these animals and the same eight people, it's going to be a long year, isn't it? It's going to be a long year. I mean, we've been kind of secluded. I mean, we were, as, as, as a community, we were like legitimately like shut down quarantine what, for almost three whole months. And like people got anxious. People got tired of seeing their house. You know, people got tired of seeing the same people over and over again. You know, now imagine, imagine that like in Noah's situation, a year of this. But think about it. A year in a life of 600 is really a small percentage of time, isn't it? And our challenges are the same way. Our, our challenges are real, but we're promised that our challenges are momentary. 
But sometimes those moments last a little while. But, but Paul has some words for us. Paul has some words for us in 2 Corinthians. Go there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And maybe you need to underline this because I think it's a great thing. Maybe you need to write it somewhere. Paul understood challenges. Paul understood challenges. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Maybe that's something you need. Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Though outwardly we're struggling, we're, we're being challenged, we're having issues. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. This is a guy who was beat, put in prison, who was shipwrecked. This is a guy who like, lived sometimes on the run for his life because of his faith, and he qualifies those things as light and momentary. Why? Because he understood that challenges only last a moment, even though those moments can last a while sometimes. But the key to it was his focus. For our lot and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It goes back to focus. How do we get through those moments? We get through those moments by focusing on God. And that helps us realize that as challenging as the moment might be, we know that the moment at some time will be over. So challenging times are momentary, but sometimes those moments last a while. All right, here's the last thing. Remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. Go to um, Genesis chapter 9. This is, where we, this is where we hit the mountaintop. This is where we hit the mountaintop. So they've been, on this, they've been in this ark for a year. And, and, and it rained for 40 days, and then everything kind of dried out. And they're sitting in this ark waiting for things to dry out so that they can. And, and, and I imagine that was a crazy sight. I, I mean, if you look at pictures of before and after just localized flooding, it's amazing what water does to things. But as he gets off the ark, the first thing he does is he makes an altar and he praises God, which goes back to that idea of rejoice in the Lord always. Always find something to praise God for. But then the familiar end the familiar moment uh, that, that we still see today happened on top of Mount Ararat. And God said, verse 12, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, um, a covenant for all generations to come. Now I want you to stop right there for a second because this happened some 2,000 years ago, or not, not no, like 6,000 years ago as some guys will say. 6,000 years ago. And in this small verse... We're connected to this moment. I want you to read that again. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every little living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. In that moment, God was thinking about us. And I think that's just a cool, a really cool thought. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you 
and all living creatures of ever kind, every kind, never again will the waters come, never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. I love rainbows, and I, and I think of this passage every time. But, you know, for Noah, this had to mean something. Because for Noah, I mean, they're, they're fixing to repopulate the earth. Noah and his family, they're fixing to repopulate the earth. You know, everything's coming from them at this point. You know, all the families and different things. But they're the only people that's going to remember the flood. Okay, the rest of it's just by story because they're the only people that survived it. And so every time it starts to rain, every time that rumble of thunder comes, I could see how Noah and his family might have a little arc PTSD. Okay, is, 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 are, we, are we doing this again? Like, you know, I hear the rain on the roof and, and I get a little anxious about things. But what does God say? He goes, I promise you that I'm not going to do this again. And I'm going to give you a reminder. I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you this rainbow that every time you see it, you can be reminded that I've made a promise. And I keep my promises. Now, God's made us a couple of promises. And I want you to read them with me. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is the first one. The title in my Bible is Jesus Comforts His Disciples. And maybe that's for us too. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's the first words. They're facing a challenging moment. They know that something's coming. Jesus knows what's fixing to happen to him in his life. And the first thing he says is do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let the challenges overwhelm you. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. What is he telling them? He's saying, look, I, I, I'm preparing a new home for you guys. I'm preparing a home for you in the presence of my Father, in my presence, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of the Almighty God. It's like I'm making you a promise that there's so much more to this life than just this moment. Go with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. And Peter writes about a promise of God. A promise of God that we can hold on to. 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. What is Jesus promised? What has God promised through Peter? He's saying that there is going to be a place for us. There is going to be a new home for us that as challenging as this life might be, this isn't the end of our story. This is only the beginning. And there's coming a time where there is no hurt, where there is no sorrow, where there is no sickness, where there are no tears. There is coming a home in eternity with God. 
And that is the promise that we receive. That is the gift of our salvation. That no matter how challenging this moment gets, we can look to God and remember that he has promised that this isn't all. That this is just momentary. And there's greater things to come for us as his children. And that is something that we need to hold to. We need to remember God's promises. You know, there's going to come a time here in just a few months, I hope, that we're going to get to have the conversation of how do we restart? How do we rebound and and, and move the ball forward as a church? But maybe right now is just a time for us to just take a moment and just acknowledge it's challenging. We're tired. We're fatigued by everything that's going on. We're, we're, we're tired of these things. We're tired of these masks. We're tired of hand sanitizers. You know, we're, we're, we're tired of social distancing. We're tired of all this stuff. We're tired of, of basically, I, I kind of feel like we have two church families right now. And, and, and I get to see all of you. But there's not a whole lot of crossover between the two groups right now. We're, we're tired of it. But let's not let it consume us. Let's overcome the challenge and let's not worry. Let's remember the promises of God, that he is faithful and that he will see us through. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for this time that we've spent together this morning. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy, your sacrifice of your son that gives us hope of salvation. I thank you for the promise that we have eternity with you, that we have something to look forward to, God, that these challenges are not bigger than you. They're not greater than you. And to help us, help us to just keep our focus on you, God, so that we can overcome and still grow as a kingdom. God, I pray for those that need you today in a spiritual way. May you give them strength. May you give them hope. May you give them forgiveness. We thank you for all that you do for us, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.